time to down your unders. Down your unders. The Frontline Gaming Network brings to you Art of War. Down Under. Review and dissection of content from some of the sharpest minds in the game. Hosted by Adam Camilleri. Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome to episode one, very first proper format episode of the Art of War Down Under podcast. We are joined lovingly by a man who needs really needs no introduction because John Damaris does such a good and thorough job of it every single episode. Uh, Nick Nanavati has joined us for the very first one. Hey Adam, how you doing? Good, good, mate. So people who don't know Nick, and if you don't know Nick, why don't you know Nick? But Nick is, as John would say, one of the greatest uh, players on the planet and one of the most prolific and successful tournament players that I think we've ever seen in the game. He's consistently stayed at the t- at the top of his game throughout editions upon editions upon armies upon armies upon metas upon metas. So really, he's a perfect point of call, especially seeing as he's kind of the, the head and the brainchild of the Art of War brand for which this podcast is a part. So um, I brought Nick on. And we're talking Harlequins today. So this episode's all going to be focused in on reviewing the Harlequin Psychic Awakening now that we've got the whole context of Ninth Edition, that being the points, which is what we've been waiting on. So we've got the rules, we've got the points. I guess technically we're still waiting for the mission pack, but uh, we've got more than enough to be talking about without the missions. So yeah. uh, we're going to be jumping straight in. Now, firstly, Nick, you've played a couple of Ninth Edition games with Harlequins already, haven't you? Yeah, I have. I'm actually going to be playing them again uh, this Friday on our Twitch channel uh, at 6 p.m. Eastern time if you want to check that out. Fantastic. And for those who don't know what the Twitch channel's address is on Twitch, is what Twitch? It's twitch.tv slash AOW40K. Fantastic. And you got top-notch, top-quality competition on there. It's fantastic that you guys were able to give the influx of content, especially while we've got this bit of a downtime during um, the COVID uh, so, but to outline this episode, so this first episode is all about being informative, telling you about the things and giving you insights into what's been added to the Harlequin's faction. Um, through Psychic Awakening, which was a White Dwarf release, but oh, hell, what a White Dwarf release. Um, <laughs> yeah, seriously. That's why so absolutely, absolutely, man. Crazy. Are you considering like what Death Watch and Yunari got? Yeah, Harlequins just whew. But we're going to be uh, going deep diving into what they got in that release. We're also giving the context and reviewing the points that they got. Um, pretty much this week, uh, those points got announced and released. So we'll be deep diving into those. It, like, systematically, we're going to be going pretty deep into this, guys. So hopefully giving you some insights from not only a top-level play, but also from just a creative narrative point of view, what's what's available for you. Part two of this, which will be available to the patron um, subscribers, it's going to be putting the stuff that we've talked about into practice. It's going to be crafting lists, talking about the tech, deep diving into the how, into how to play and how to make the most out of what you take on the battlefield. So um, a lot to talk about there. But kicking this off, so how long has it been since they got this release? Has it been two months yet or has it been a little bit less? I think it's been about two months, maybe May is my guess. Yeah, I'd guess around there as well. But we're going to be starting right at the top. So the first thing that got added, the first real systematic change, they got this thing called Pivotal Rolls. You able to tell us about that, mate? Yeah, so basically every Harlequin character, there's four. There's the Shadow Seer, the Death Jester, the Troop Master, and the Solitaire. Each one kind of had its own little ability. Shadow Seers have a six-inch aura of minus one to wound. Troop Masters have a six-inch aura of reroll to wound. Uh, Solitaire's have something I forgot. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and uh, Death Jesters had the morale. Death got the Death had, like, when you force an enemy to take casualties from morale, well, if the Death Jester shot that unit, then you can pick which model flees, which is more powerful in 9th edition. But, Absolutely. Um, what, what the pivotal rolls do is uh, each one gets three new ones to choose from, so you can replace your existing abilities, so, like a Shadow Seer replaces the reroll or the minus 
uh, to wound with a new ability. Or you can spend a command point and keep your old ability and gain a new ability as well. So uh, some of them are super powerful, and they really change the way Harlequins play. Now, one thing to know about that stratagem, that's a pregame strat. You can, use more, you can use that more than once, can't you? Yeah, you can use it on each one, but it does have a rule that says you can't use it on a Shadow Seer multiple times. Ah, fair enough. Uh, is that any insights into why you think that is? Aside from that, they don't want you to use it on Shadow Seer multiple times? No. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Well, we're going to be jumping straight into the Troopmaster one. So the, the three for the Troopmaster is Prince of Light. Now, the, that, that verbatim reads, when a friendly mask unit within six inches of this model, uh, you can re-roll the charge rolls. If they could already re-roll the charge, you add plus one to the charge. <laughs> um, now, straight off the bat, that's... That's not too bad. I mean, Harlequin's already very quick. They're already something that can advance and charge as as natural, as normal, as just as something that they get, one of their basic fundamental rules. So while that is quite flexible, um, it's possibly not as good as this next one. And so the next one is Darkness's Bite. Each time this model fights, after it is fought, you can select one enemy unit, so one enemy model that it may attack it against. That unit suffers two mortal wounds. You ever had any play with this? Ever any any mileage out of it? Yeah, so I have tried. I've tried a variety of them. Uh, the reroll charges doesn't come into effect like ever. Uh, I mean, it can mm. in a pinch when you are down on the dumps and you have to go for some longer charges. But Harlequins are an army that are so elite. You don't ever want to be in that position. You need to go for like this is a two inch charge. <laughs> yes, like, I was about to say. Like, there's uh, no you. You don't uh, bank on sevens, do you? Yeah, there's no sevens in the Harlequin <laughs> army. You get for charges. You use your ridiculous speed in the movement, in the psychic phase, with highlight pathways to. Uh, you get right next to your enemy and get go for those guaranteed plays. Cerebral Charges is a little redundant in this army. Um, the two mortal wounds after you attack, it's very useful. Um, it lets your your uh, troop master kind of go in and kill some characters um, with guaranteedness. Like, let's say I have my uh, relic, the, the Twilight Fang, which is a new relic we'll cover as well. Um, basically, it's you get one additional attack depending on what battle round it is. So in like turn four, you get plus four yeah, attack. Plus four attack. It's, yeah, it's plus two strength, it's minus three AP, and it's D3 damage, so it's fairly good at killing elite models or characters. Um, but like sometimes you go into that Smash Captain and you like take six invuls, and the guy's like, okay, I passed five, and you're like, you're a jerk. And now yes. it's, it's nice to be able to just uh, do those last two mortal wounds to finish them out sometimes. Well, the best thing about this is it's you don't even need to do a wound with that attack. You, need to put, you only need to put one attack into whatever unit yes. or model, and it just needs to hit. So just need to roll yeah. a two plus or a three if they're minus one. Never going to be a four. It's never going to be worse than a three, essentially. Right. And it actually, there's some cool synergies there as well. Um, what I've done in the past is, this is actually something I did in a game. I was playing against White Scars. They had a lot of Smash Captains because it's White Scars. I had a solitaire go in for like some assassination run, and we give him Chegarath's Rose, which is another relic we'll cover. Um, basically, it's a lot of attacks at flat three damage. So I split my attacks between multiple captains, and I, I killed one, and I knocked one. I did one wound to another, knocking him down to two wounds. Um, then my solitaire decided to leave for two CKP, which is after he makes attacks, he can just move and fall back. Such a jerk. Yeah, no, yeah so I, I didn't lose my solitaire through all this, but. Um, later on, that Smash Captain was floating around with just two wounds because, you know, he survived a solitaire. So at some point, my troop master then went in and just put one attack into him and then put like nine other Fang attacks into another unit, killed the unit and just free killed the troop just master. Free, exactly. Yeah. It's essentially a, a two plus to smite somebody in, in the in the um, fight phase. So I, I actually it's think it's even quite nicer good. than smite because it's like it's something less potential, but flat two, you know what you're getting. Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a known quantity. Now, the last one here is called uh, Twilight's Grasp. Each time a melee attack is made by this model against a unit that is 
not a monster or vehicle, unmodified wound roll of two plus is always successful. Now this guy is giving, so the, where this comes into context is this guy is giving up a re-roll to wound aura. So because he hasn't got re-rolls to wound, I feel like this almost gives it back to him, but only to him. Right. It makes so him, it makes him super. The re-roll to wounds on your troop master, it's just, it, because it's an aura and it affects your troops and stuff like that, it's just so powerful. You never give it up. But it, it sometimes is worth spending command points to take any of these other ones. Usually I would go for the two mortal wound thing. Um, but honestly, in my latest games, my, my command points have been so tight, I just kind of let my troop master be a troop master with nothing special. And the, we're definitely going to be deep diving command points expenditure in part two. One thing about these episodes, guys, we're talking about a known quantity. Everyone knows the Harlequin book. The Harlequin book's been out for, what, two years? We're not, we don't talk about the codex. We're talking about the stuff that's made that's enhanced the codex. And so uh, there is some stuff you're going to have to take some context from your previous knowledges bank and add them into this. Because when I look at this Twilight's Grasp, I do think about Kegarax Rose and, th- and the relic weapons of that ilk. And I think, wow, so even if it's got flat three damage, some of these things only have plus one strength. And so usually they're not that great against Centurion-esque, um, Bulgren-esque models. Wounding on a two plus with a flat three damage weapon, like some of the ones we're going to be talking about, that's terrifying sometimes. Yeah, it, it definitely is. Um, you can make this the true master an absolute monster. I think if you go into mono harlequins and you run multi true masters, you may take one for the reroll wound or use them as a support piece and make one a, a combat monster with always wound on two plus with the, the twilight fang and just go crazy with it. All right, we're going to jump over to the shadow seer now. I'm, you and I, we could we could literally like do a three-hour episode on just the Shadow Seer and the Death Chester. Legit. <laughs> Literally. Like the depth within these two characters is enormous. But Shadow Seer, the first one, Veil of Illusion. So firstly, what they're giving up, they've got a is it is a, a, a three-inch or a six-inch aura of minus one to wound. It is a six-inch aura of minus one to wound. Which is it's it's already it's phenomenally powerful. It's one of the best debuffing um, I think it's the, the aura in the game. It, like, it's, in, it's incredibly good. Um arguably like a minus one to hit aura if it exists. I don't on like what a death uh, dark shroud maybe yeah. is comparable but i feel like minus one to wounds better because yeah. there's so, f- there's so, like so many a lot of mechanics do like mortal wounds on sixes so you're now subtracting exactly. that or like wrens so you're subtracting that that kind and, of thing and things that affect the, the wound rule are so much harder to come by everyone's got a, a chapter master for rerolls to hit but so few yeah. things have true rerolls to wound in fact guleman doesn't even have true rerolls to wound anymore so there you go right. against um, most armies like you can just assume they're going to hit with most attacks even if you're minus one but if you're exactly. minus one wound and they're wounding on like threes go to fours like i like your toughness three harlequins basically become toughness five when they're getting shot by a thunderfire cannon it can be so powerful it's insanely amazing all right the first one is veil of illusions uh when a when a friendly mask unit is within six of this model uh when determining if that unit is in range of attacks made by enemy models with ranged weapons at six to the distance measured for example if this unit is 22 inches away from the enemy model it's actually 28 away for the purposes of them firing at you i love this this one this is this one is the is the clear winner of the three we'll go through all three of them though um yeah this is the one where i usually pay a command point take this in addition to my minus one to one door because minus one to one door you're never going to give it up it's so strong but this is also very strong having both of these on one so for one cp you have both of these auras on the same guy like those it's i can't put it past how premium that is how so good for the points and we'll, we'll get to the points later as well but just so much 
so many problems are solved by this, especially now we're on a shorter board. You're essentially adding six inches back onto the onto the table that you're playing yeah. on. Well, people are going to gravitate towards 24-inch weapons because that's really all you need, I find, in this new board. 24-inch yeah. weapons hate this weapon. So this relic, this, it's, uh, it's terrible. Because, well, it changes. It. No one is used to their range being shortened. That's not a mechanic found anywhere else in this game. So not, not well, a get you. Like, make sure you tell your opponent, like, hey, I don't want to cut you off guard with this. But it's one of those things you got to play against its understanding. It's the old night fighting rule, isn't it? Is it is, was it from fifth, fourth or fifth edition? It's, uh, it's the old, uh, not night fighting. It's the old dark Eldar night shroud rule. Or uh, whatever. Night, yeah, shields. Uh, night, night shields. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's so good, guys. And yeah, exactly what Nick said. A lot of people are playing around this um, eighteen to twenty-four inch ranged weapons characteristic. People are, are seeming to try and want to stack powerful weapons in those ranges, and all of a sudden, this changes. Uh, how they have to think about combating your army. Um, and we'll get we'll get more into that probably later you know, into things. But people do also make strategies around like deep striking and firing like flamers into you, or deep striking in the corpus corpus exactly. card electric piece with twelve inch yeah. Tesla guns. It's like that just simply doesn't work now. You show up, you're twelve inches away. Now you're eighteen. You can't shoot. So it turns off. It, it turns off some power plays from your opponent, and it, it, people who know that you have this, I feel like. Uh, um, so there are some there are some schools of thinking where it's better to gotcha people with negative negative interactions for them when people try and deep strike their centurions with um, long-range marksmen, 11-inch flamers, and you'd say, nah, sorry, mate, they're actually 17 inches away from you technically, so you can't shoot them. Um, I like telling them, I find... And it's I'm more going, sportsmanlike to tell them. So, you know, the it's more of a, we always preach sportsmanship, but it's exactly, also a mind game too. Like, exactly. Definitely. It's so much more of a psychological tool to watch the cogs have to like turn. When I play Tyranids or when I play Harlequins, these kind of obscure armies that are lots of tricks, I will make my opponent abundantly aware of all of my different tricks, kind of overwhelming information. It's like, <laughs> like it's, it's sportsmanlike because, you know, I don't want to get you him, but at the same time, it's like, you have to digest all this right now and yes. really try to and not screw yourself over over analyzing it or something. That's that is not an easy thing to do. Exactly right. All right, jumping to the next one. Um, Gloomwake. While this, uh, a mask unit is within six of the model, this model each time a range attack is made against that unit, models in the unit gain the benefits of cover to their saving throws. This is obviously, I think, this is the weakest. That'd be a good one for any other faction. Harley any other faction craps about their cover armor saves. Literally, Dark Elder and Harlequins do not give two craps um, because they're always taking their involves. Their involves are four pluses. They're, f- they're phenomenal. Yeah, never going to. Never do um, that. But letting you know, it's there. You know, should you ever need it. <laughs> uh, the next one, the last one, is Agent of Bedlam, which I love the name. Uh, when enemy units is within six of this model, subtract one from the attack characteristic of model in that unit. So this this would be my second fiddle one. If I was taking two uh, Shadow Seers, and you, wait, so you you saying before you can't use it on two Shadow Seers in a game? I don't think so. I, I might be mistaken. Yeah. Maybe it's you can't take the same pivotal roll multiple times. So you could have two mm. different Shadow Seers taking two different things, but they can't both take the minus six and Toro one. I'm getting confused, but it might be See, that. See, I don't, I don't mind this one. Say if I was playing against Orcs or Tyranids, Gene Steelers, things like that. Um, one is minus one attack across a unit of 30 yeah. boys is right. minus 30 attacks. Like, it's not that- bad. So it's my, only, my issue with things like this now are the uh, the new rules for designing lists. You have to write all this stuff onto your list mm. um, in 9th edition, and it's just one of those things I'm not going to always want it, and I'm not going to want it enough that I take it anyway. Like, I'm not always going to want minus 6-inch range either. Like, some, some guy who brings, like, 10 Lehman Russes, like, 6-inch range is not going to help me. But yeah. I'm going to take it because it's going to help me so much in often matches. 
This might have been attack core. It's hard to set up and not always going to be useful. So I'm going to probably leave it at home. Uh, but in saying that, like if you were, let's say you're playing a game with your mates, a non-competitive game, and you knew they were bringing a heavy melee army, this is the obvious choice. If they don't, have, if they don't stack shooting or relevant shooting, um, this is an obviously better choice than the illusions one because if they're not shooting, yeah, you know, plus six inches doesn't mean anything. It's, it makes no impact in the game whatsoever. So I think this is an easy second fiddle, but it's still a relevant yeah. option. Right. Exactly. All right. Next up is the Death Jester, or I call him the DJ or the Rob Symes, if people know who that is. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, Honest Wargamer Rob is a DJ, and I, I've started calling the Death Jester the Rob Symes. First one is Harvester of Torment, taking a place, you know, as people to roll. Each time this model shoots, if the target unit contains six or more models, each successful hit roll scores three hits instead of one. So if you, if you want to put this in context of ninth edition, it turns his weapon into a blast weapon, essentially. Uh, it's so much better than a blast weapon, though. Uh, I mean, it is and it's not. What it does is you combine this with one of the relics. Uh, I don't yes. know what the relic is called. The relic has two different modes of fire. One of them is very niche in its uses. It basically is one shot, strength six, AP minus three, one damage. Um, and then when you kill a model in the unit, the unit then suffers D3 mortal wounds. I take a spot, so, yeah. Yeah. And then the other one is just three shots, strength six, AP minus three. So, so that, fir- that first one you mentioned, I believe, is Curtainfall. Which is, I think, was one of the Mars. No, Curtainfall is one of the early ones. There's two different relic guns. One is the old one. That one just sucks relative to the new one. Yeah, relative to the new ones. Yeah, it does. The new, the new one is really good, but the new one also has two modes of fire. So I'm just describing both of its modes of fire. Um, So, but in context of this, like if you uh, paid a CP and kept your original uh, pivotal roll, sorry, your original buff, e.g., you get to when things die to morale, you get to pick who dies. If you've killed. You know, if you, let's say you're shooting the the um, the shuriken profile, which is the one that explodes, you know, has three shots. It could get six, could get essentially get nine hits. Can get nine yeah. hits. And he's hitting on two, so it's, yeah. it's not crazy to get nine hits on. Me. I've had him literally just pick up an entire guard unit a turn, pretty much. Exactly, right. exactly right. Even if he doesn't, even if he half kills it, and they they fail, and they're going to lose one guy, and then maybe lose another guy. You pick two guys out of a coherency line of ten ten dudes. And you know, he does. Yeah. He's a great target. For uh, one of the new stratagems in Harlequins, uh, it basically gives them pseudo master artisans for a unit. So now you have three attacks hitting on twos. You reroll one of your to hit rolls. If you mm. don't, it's only reroll one of your hits or one of your own, so it's worse than master artisans. But um, yeah. if you hit three times on the first go, you still get nine hits. If you miss, you have to you know waste on the hit roll. You get nine hits that way. But then if you still have it for your wound roll, your wounding guardsman on twos, your strength six, your AP minus three, you're yeah. probably going to kill like eight out of nine. Seven out of nine. You reroll one of those. You get to your nine out of nine, or you get to your eight mm. out of nine, and then the last one auto fails. So auto fails. Out. Exactly yeah. right. Um, so yeah, I'm a big fan of that one. Next one is the Jess Inescapable. Add 12 inches to the range characteristic of range weapons. This model is equipped with each time this model shoots an unmodified hit roll of six inflicts one mortal wound on the target in addition to any normal damage, and the target does not benefit uh, from cover adding to its saving throw. Um, I only like this in the context of adding range to the the relic guns but in all honesty i think with the table shortening that kind of issue has been limited quite a bit um, yeah, on top of that, there's never been more ways to redeploy this guy or to outflank him or deep strike him so right I, it's just one of those things you're not going to take over the other ones nah uh, here's this last one humbling cruelty which i another another fan this is one thing you'll find all the names in this stuff are fantastic humbling cruelty phenomenal um but you, you compare this stuff to the shock the, the shock jug dragster or the boom buster wagger wagon for orcs <laughs> and just like why couldn't they get this the guy who named the harlequin stuff and then the orc stuff never mind um 
Each time an attack made by this model against an enemy unit scores a hit. So just a hit, not a wound. Uh, that unit is pinned until the start of the ne your next turn. Whilst the unit is pinned, subtract two from the move characteristic of models, and the unit cannot fire Overwatch. So it doesn't specify infantry, vehicles, characters, monsters. It doesn't All you have care. To do is hit with one of your you three just shots, have to hit on, on a two plus yeah. with three shots. So incredibly good, especially one when of, I. One of the nice things here too um, is you don't want, sometimes you don't want to be right next to the other guy, depending on what you're playing against. Um, so you could take the. Uh, one of the relic guns because they also give you 36 inches so you can go 36 inches and just ignores overwatch that thing i don't know yes where. yeah yeah uh well and this, here's the thing though people are gonna have you're gonna have you're gonna know which unit your your opponent wants to use overwatch on you know it's not the 10 guardsmen it's my relic it's my punisher you know Absolutely. um so it, you're gonna know when you you're gonna know now that now that overwatch has been reduced to this you know essentially once per phase option you're going to know where you need to turn it off. So I feel like this guy's stock is only rising. Yeah. It, I think he's an auto-include for Harlequins nowadays. There's just there's not every game like one of those you're going to need it. So that's unfortunate that it has to be written on your list. But it's one of those games where when you need it, like you play Tau, you, you, you play Centurions, yeah. you need it. You yeah. really need it. Yeah. And But it's a hard, see, this is a hard question. The Harvester of Torment is also very – it's ridiculously relevant. Um, and we'll get to more reasons why as we head down. Because as soon as we start, I've just been taking two gestures and doing one and one. Now, now you've reminded me that you can, in fact, give different death gestures different pivotal rolls. You can't just give yeah. the same one to same, same pivotal roll yeah. multiple gestures. Yeah, yeah. The double DJ, the double Rob Symes list. <laughs> I'm going to say that a lot now. But over to the solitaire. So we've gone through the th three. Here's the last one, the solitaire. I'm sure everyone knows what a solitaire does. I'm sure everyone's been on the receiving end of what a solitaire can do. I remember Nick when, when uh, I was playing for I was playing for famous. <laughs> Dude, I was playing for Team Australia in 2018. You were playing for Team America. I played against Sean Naden, the captain, and his <laughs> freaking solitaire. Good God. Good <laughs> freaking God. Like, he Sean did a blitz. Legendary. Oh, my God. It, it, it is, man. It's in, invincible. He did, a, he did a blitz over, over uh, 70 guardsmen. Um, he landed in a hole, killed Strachan, killed, um, killed the priest, and then I charged him with... Uh, two company commanders with power fists and uh, 30 conscripts. And then I couldn't kill him. And then I ordered myself to fight him again in my turn. Couldn't kill him. He fell back, killed two more characters. And then I just, uh, you know, I got 20. So literally a solitaire, like one solitaire. But um, anyway, so shocking emergence is the very first one. During deployment, you can set up this model shimmering instead of placing it on placing it on the battlefield. If you do so, then at the end of your movement phases, you can set up this model anywhere in the battlefield that's more a nine away from enemy models. Each time a charge roll is made for this model, if it was set up on the battlefield as a reinforcement this turn, add one additional D6, discard uh, one of those dice. So you pretty much set him up in reserve, and he gets a 3D6, take the highest two on the charge after reserve. Yeah, this, this is again one of the ones like you could make a a solid uh, a play around this with a reroll charges troop master type of thing. It's just not how Harlequins play. Uh, you want guaranteed things, especially with someone like the Solitaire who has access to Blitz. Uh, you go so fast. There's just no reason you should ever be going for eight inch three d six pick the two highest rerollable charges. Now, that's a very high percentage of chance, but you're also vulnerable to screens. Part of what the Solitaire's yeah. beautiful power is. Is that he just goes through screens like you just said in your story? He moved over the seventy guards and not charged yep. the seventy guards. It just it's a he's a missile. He's a he's a ranged weapon that just happens to go off in the fight phase. 
you, you shoot you shoot him in the movement phase and he goes off in the fight phase. He doesn't go off in the shooting phase, but he's a ranged he, weapon. Pretty much a scalpel, not a hammer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, next one is uh, Chromatic Rush. When this model advances, do not make an advance roll. Instead, increase until the end of the phase. Add six to the move characteristic of this model. Each time this uh, model piles in or consolidates, it can move an additional three inches. So that's six inches for piling and consolidates and an auto six inches on its advance. This is another one, like, it sounds good, but I don't think it's actually that useful. Again, in most games, you're going to be blitzing on the big turn with your solitaire, and blitzing replaces yeah. your advance roll, so you don't get to make use of that. The six-inch pylons and consolidates, that's certainly not bad, but especially with the ninth edition combat rules, now you have to just engage what you want to on the charger, yeah. otherwise your charge fails, so you don't need to super consolidate. So you don't need to super pile, and you're already there, otherwise it didn't work. And then your consolidate doesn't really matter. You can't go chasing down other options anymore. You, you gotta, yeah. you gotta just go into what you want to kill and just, just get the job done. There's no fluffing around and trying to do none of the things with this guy. Um, the cool so consolidates definitely are much more impactful on like a unit like Hormigons or something mm, than on a single model. You think? Yeah. Maybe in, in older editions it wouldn't have been the case, but now it is for sure. All right, last one: unnatural acrobatics. Uh, each time an attack is made against this model, subtract one from the attack's hit roll. So he's might want to hit in combat. I'm still. Not seeing anything that's worth losing Blitz for. There was a cool combo you had um, last edition when multiple hit, hit modifiers stacked between this, mm. um, yes. lightning fast reactions, all your psychic powers that have minus ones to hit. You can get a solitaire at minus four to hit, and then you could suit of hidden eyes, which is a relic that um, every time your opponent rolls a one to hit against you in close combat, he does a mortal one back to his own unit. So at yep. minus four. <laughs> On a one, two, three, four, or five, five. He misses you and punches his own unit in the face. <laughs> so like you get this guy into like a unit of thirty orcs and just they would kill each other for you. They would kill themselves. But yeah, that hit modifiers cap at minus one. It's just not that useful. What a world! I mean, in, in two years we're going to be looking back at that stuff and being like, Haha, how did they ever let those things exist? But I'm sure <laughs> we'll have a whole whole new range of like cheesy weird ass power plays to talk about all right so those are the pivotal roles um what do you think would you do you think that's a good addition to the the harlequin codex do you think this is something oh, that's greatly enhanced that, that alone fixed so many of the harlequin issues i think the range thing opens up a lot of play for them um <laughs> and, and access to ignores overwatch on the death jester harlequins have through the entirety of eighth edition struggle with overwatch from armies like tau and mm. now they have a legitimate answer to it which is huge so in saying that you turn off Overwatch, if you would say you had three Riptides next to each other and you turned off the Overwatch of the first one, would the other two still get the greater good? The other two would still get the greater good. So it's not a foolproof thing um, against Tau, but with like clever play, ruins, that kind of stuff, you can make it do. Um, it's really powerful if they take more like later, more modern Talus from like a huge unit of Crisis Suits and Farsight Enclaves. Yeah. So you can yeah. shut down nine Crisis Suits for free. They can't pass up to a drone. It just, they got the yeah. stuff like that. Um, if you run against Centurions with a Chapter Master, you know, the Flamers already just table your entire army, then, you know, here's 72 Boulder Shots, three rolling all hit rolls. Screw that. I'm just going to shut down that unit. Let's engage them. All right. So we're up to the stratagems. So honestly, I th that, is, that was two pages. That was two pages of the White Dwarf that I yeah. feel like they could have just stopped there. And it was we enough to find. We did spend half an hour on, on those two pages. <laughs> We, we could spend two, three hours, I've no doubt. But uh, those two things just fundamentally, those two pages fundamentally change how this codex works. And it, it's honestly really exciting. Jumping over to the stratagems. First up, pivotal role. We've already talked about this one at Nuance. This is the one where you pay to still retain your innate data, data sheet buffs in addition to the um, 
the pivotal role that you select. So we're going to jump over this one. Next one's murderous entrance. So this is a 2CP. Use your stratagem in the fight phase. The first time a Harlequin's unit from your army is selected to fight that phase until the end of the phase if that unit made a charge move this turn at one to the damage characteristic of all melee weapons that unit is equipped with. Now, uh, there is the kiss, the caress, and the... What's the other one? There's uh, the power the sword and the embrace. Yeah. There's also the regular Harlequin blades that just troops come with is also a Harlequin weapon. Yes, uh, but they're all so. Yeah. They're all kind of weird. They're all one. You know, one's plus two, plus two strength, but only one rend and one damage. One's got D three damage. One's got two damage. They all benefit from this in different way. But the the thing is, they all benefit from this really well. Yeah, this is just a generically good strat. You're not going to always use it. It is two command points, but when you want to use it, you will use it. It'll be very powerful. Well, the thing is, like Harlequin troops. Um, Oh, sorry, this is only Harlequin units. So theoretically, you could use this on Skyweavers. Hell, you could use this on a transport if you want. Um, <laughs> when theoretically, have, you could. I have like a unit of 10 troops in my latest list that have like a mix of weapons. Well, I have like four or five bullet catchers and like four or five dudes with uh, caresses, which is a strength four, minus one AP, D3 damage. Or maybe that's straight. Yeah. Straight. Um, but then I'll use, I'll use them as character hunters. They go through all the models and the movement and the charge phase with the flip belts. Um, mm-hmm. They engage a couple characters. Then I pop the strat, and with rerolls to wound from a troop master, each character is going to be taking a lot of wounds at AP minus one, which I yes. find is like the right amount for the characters because they typically come with four pinballs or something. So you don't want waste extra AP is wasted. Well, um, see, that's a very that's a very interesting insight. So you, a lot of people would assume you would want to use this, you know, a couple times a game on the same unit, um, and you want to use it to go through things like mega knobs or whatnot. And you do, but the thing is, you, you, don't, you don't need this against like eighty percent of the things you're going to run into. You don't right, need to right. get off boys. Just one it's, it's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And even if they're two wounds, in all likelihood, the amount of attacks you've got innately is probably going to get you over the line if they're equipped with like a, a decent range of options. Um, on top of that, like you know, you've always got fusion pistols before you go in to like take off half a unit before you, um, whatnot. Yeah. So very much like a, a elite army that revolves around clipping out parts of your opponent's army that are fundamental to his strategy. You can't fight someone head-on. Harlequins do not fight fair. They, they just don't have the muscle. <laughs> they need to pick and choose their battles and play on their terms, which means a lot of assassination runs on characters like we've been talking about. I mean, stalling out certain portions of your army while dealing with other portions. So being able to just leverage a couple strats a turn in the most effective way is really the key to Harlequin. All right, next one. Uh, polychromatic Storm. You just strategy at the start of the first battle round before the first turn begins set up. Uh, select up to three Harlequin units from your army that are on the battlefield. Remove them from the battlefield and set them up again. When setting them up, you can use any ability or stratagems that would allow them to be set up in different locations during deployment, e.g. webway assault, e.g. Uh, ongoing reserves, sorry, strategic reserves. If both players have abilities to redeploy units, uh, they roll off. Winner chooses who deploys first. Um, you can only do this stratagem once. So this is your, uh, what's it called for, um, for Eldar? This is your Phantasm. Your phantasm. That's right. Your phantasm. Um, hugely important. We probably didn't need to go into too much depth about this, but mm-hmm. you'd probably be doing this like the new alternating deployment styles. Uh, it's got yes. a lot more life into it. Well, essentially, you can just completely bait out and see your opponent's implied deployment, and then readjust. Right. And it can't be overstated how powerful it is to start a five-turn game now um, in like either the right stance defensive offensive one um, thing i would often do is like if i have that big you know troops or like if i have two big against troops or two big against sky weavers or one and one two, two large units is what the trick is um you put one forward and binkley 
basically your opponent doesn't know if you're going first either so he has to be very respectful of that and maybe he deploys far back because um he doesn't want to get nuked in the face turn one by an alpha strike um and you deploy one back and then if you're going first you can then bring everything up to the line and then just go attack him um, yes. <laughs> going second, you bring your your forward unit backwards, and then you've created a big amount of distance between your opponent because he was trying to be respectful of your alpha strike potential. And then you have that minus six inch range order from your shadow seer, and it's all like, I'm mm. not going to take any damage on turn one. This is great. Well, literally, it, it puts you in it puts you in the the driver's seat. You can just move up to right to whatever range that plus six inch aura is going to have the biggest impact. And then most likely, if they move at all, you're going to be able to pounce on them the next turn. So. I think it's stupendously good. That's if you didn't want to go balls to the walls and just go straight down there to the jugular turn one. Um, next one is the curtain falls. It's another two CP stratagem. Surprisingly, I will say this about these. Um, most of the time, what I see, I've been seeing from Psychic Awakening, there's a lot of things that I feel like should be two CP or one CP in a lot of Psychic Awakenings. These two CP strats do feel like two CP strats, though. Like they feel yeah. fine. You don't feel like you're paying too much for them. Like plus one damage on all your weapons. That doesn't feel like it's it's like two it's overs for two CP. Uh, this next one, so yeah, the curtain falls. Uh, use your stratagem in the fight phase when a Harlequin's unit from your army is, it would consolidate until the end of that phase. Instead of consolidating, that unit can fall back or move as if you're in movement phase, uh, but cannot advance. This is an amazing strat. Like I said, Harlequins don't fight fair. You can't go in there and trade like one of your units for one of their units. You're going to lose eventually on that exchange rate. Um, but you go in there, you kill a unit, and you go back and get behind your wall back into safety. Now you're not trading, you're just taking. And that's what you need to do. Exactly. And so this is 2CP Solburst, as, as far as I can tell. Yeah? Yeah, basically. I mean, it's not quite as dynamic where it's I can shoot you, yeah, yeah. charge you. But a lot of times people would just use Solburst to leave after climate. I know. I'm exactly. Familiar. I saw I saw you do it. I saw you do it on streams. You uh, even Like in the LVO that you won, you would jump up. Yeah. Kill if, and if you couldn't wrap, if they depl- if they did it so you couldn't wrap them, you just wipe them and bounce back, expose nothing, just taking screens, edging, edging, edging. Fantastic. Yeah, eventually, you just take enough over and over and over, and you're you're just ahead. Mm. And on top of this, we'll get to the CP counts and how many CP we think we're going to be starting the games with. But I can tell you right now, um, two CP to do, and you do this you probably only want to bank on doing this what two, three times in a game at absolute most. Probably do it once or twice. I'd say. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I think that's all you need to do because you'd be changing the dynamics of the game so much. Next one is Twilight Encore. Um, Twilight Encore, rather. And it reads, <laughs> use this strategy in your opponent's moving phase when an enemy uh, unit within one of a Harlequin's troop unit from your army falls back. After that enemy unit has moved, the Harlequin troop unit can consolidate up to six inches. Each model in the Harlequin troop unit must end that move closer to the enemy unit or nearest enemy model. Now, I want to I out, point out something. So the 2CP stratagem for after you've wrapped a unit that lets you fall back, that lets you move through models as if they were not there, um, that specifically says that anything that is still within engagement range after that fallback move is considered to be destroyed. A question to you, Nick, if I use this Twilight Encore, then move six inches within engagement range of that unit, is that unit now completely wiped out? I think so. I don't know. This is one of the ones where the rules are kind of not designed for this edition, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, that's definitely one that I would like to see an FAQ on. Um, it's, it's a question that we don't have quite have all the uh, all the the real life experience with either. I mean, is this something you've pulled off in a game yet? It's it's not one that I've been able to pull off. Um, no, well, I have used the stratagem in games where people have yeah. tried to just fall back and I will go catch them, and then I'm not getting shot. Life is great. I've not wrapped something, make my opponent spend two CP on the strat, and then chased him down. That mm. I'm really excited to do that, but I haven't it's, done that. Yet. 
Yeah. Man, it's, it's if it can, if it does work like that, gosh, that's gonna feel good. Even if it doesn't, <laughs> like I'm just excited to waste two of my command point bones, command points, and then go and, and then just tap them again. Because all you need to yeah. do is just get back within one inch, and then yeah. you're like, nothing changed because you can't fall back twice. So yeah, yeah, definitely, really, really, really good stratagem, and it's something that I'm hoping non Harlequin players know about because it's a hell of a doozy if you if you mess it up, you know. Oh yeah, right. definitely. Uh, we've only got four left. Um, now, while they haven't been given a hell of a lot, they've only been given nine stratagems in this whole thing. I think the they're only other so powerful. Like, I, there's like one what? bad strat in the nine. I was, I was about to say, I, I play Black Templars, and we got like eight, and not a single one of them. Maybe there's one in there that shapes up to these ones. <laughs> these ones are all so good. Next uh, one is another. Wasn't big, but everything in it counted. It was so good. Um, next one is 2CP. Uh, the Foes of the Mind. Use this stratagem at the start of your shooting or fight phase. Select one Shadow Seer from your army until the end of that phase. The model shield from harm ability affects friendly mask units, not just friendly mask infantry units. So for 2CP per turn, you can turn this on for your Sky Weavers um, and your Star Weavers. Yeah. And essentially, give everyone minus one wound across the board. Now, this is specific. This this says specifically names the shield from harm. So, if you replace its its pivotal roll um, and get a pivotal roll instead of the shield from harm, you don't get to give that to everybody. Um, so, this is saying if you just have a base or one that's been upgraded, you still get it. Yeah, it's pricey for what it does. It is um, pricey. If, if you design a list that is based around Star Weavers and Sky Weavers, this is that's where you would want to use a strat, and only you would use it once or twice a game at most. But it's in the right situation; it is useful. Mm. Well, it's shooting, especially as it's shooting or fight phase as well, and it doesn't say your shooting or their shooting or fight phase. It's either either any. So. Right. I mean, I can't imagine many scenarios where you'd use it in your own shooting phase. But yeah, go for it. Yeah, well, that's fair. Um, question it's just as a silly thing for some reason i can't is, is the charge part of the fight phase or the charge it's a charge sub phase charge, part of charge phase. phase and fight phase are two different phases and that's what i thought so you couldn't do a, you couldn't use this for overwatch so you couldn't give ta- a tower overwatch minus one to win against you um i'd be clever it would be very clever if you could pull it off um but so yeah i think this has got a lot of mileage especially if you know you're going second like you, you've rolled you've redeployed um but then you see that they're faster than you think they are or they pop a bunch of stratagems to increase their their movement or they hell they got drop pods or outflanking dudes i don't know what and um all of a sudden some stuff's happened you didn't equate for bang two cp turn on your minus one to minus one to wound um when you need it um, sometimes just get yourself in like trouble like the terrain's not great and you need yeah. to just shooting phase on the face and like this will help you with that Absolutely right. Uh, next one is Eye of Damnation. So what is this? The Eye of Sauron or something? Um, <laughs> use this, yeah, one CP, use this strategy when a solitaire unit from your army is destroyed as a result of an attack made with a melee weapon by an enemy model. That model's unit uh, suffers D3 mortal wounds. This stratagem cannot be used in conjunction with uh, no prize to steep stratagem. So that's the um, you fight when you die strat, yeah? Yeah, so you can't fight when you die and just pop off two mortal wounds. And- this is a nice way to... Uh, like. Do you have to die for this, or is this just a... You have to die, yeah. Okay, I was going to say, like this would have been a great way to use my solitaire in that scenario versus that smash captain Mm. uh, that I did three damage to, left him alive. If I didn't leave, he could have killed me, and then I would have just popped him out on the way out. So it's a nice pocket trick. You don't have to pay anything for it. I mean, it's a bit of a command point, but... You always have it in the back pocket. It's just yeah, exactly right. Like, I just like having it. It's just something. Oh yeah, cool. You you went into Gilliman on one wound, didn't quite do it. Gilliman smashed you. Oh, take him out anyway. You know, yeah. and now Gilliman can't re-roll his get back up or anything. Yeah, I don't mind it for those kind of pinch hitting bits. Uh, that's yeah. probably all. Honestly, it makes sense. 
And all honesty, that's like the weakest stratagems like in, in the thing. And it's not yeah. awful. Like it's just a little bit of tech. No, you'll still find, I'll, I'm sure I will use it one day. It's just one of those things. You're not going to use it every game. You're not going to build a strategy around it. Yeah. Uh, next one, 1CP, Mythic Roll. Uh, use, use stratagem before the battle if your army includes a Shadow Seer. A lot of Shadow Seer-esque stuff. Um, select one Eldara unit from your army. Each time that unit is chosen to shoot or fight, you can reroll one hit, uh, one wound hit roll or one wound roll for those attacks. You can only use this stratagem uh, once. So interesting thing, it, it names Eldari there. E.g., could you use this on a unit of Dark Rapers? You can. And it specifically in the FAQ kept the wording of Eldari. So you could use it on And it does and start with uh, Expert Craftsman, which is the Eldar Master Artisan. So you can get two rerolls there or two rerolls to win with it. That's absolutely saucy. It doesn't say infantry unit either. So you could put this on, hell, you could put this on the Incarn. Yeah, you could. That's actually really big for him. <laughs> yeah, it's huge, actually. Um, and he already has rerolls to wound, so it would be just next to rerolls to hit, I guess. Maybe like the Avatar or something. I mean, yeah. there's not... It's hard because it's a command point. It's basically a free command point reroll that... You, you get six for five command point rerolls. So, I, I, so you, you'd, want to, you'd want to put on, on a shooting unit, wouldn't you? You wouldn't want to put on a million. It's only going to get maybe two two rolls out of it in a game. Right. So maybe right. something like Mugen Ra or Azamun or... Yeah, something of that ilk. Something that's going to be shooting and adding value for six for, for five turns of the game. Exactly. That's where you'd want it. Mm. All right. Last one. Uh, one CP, Virtuosos of the Webway. Use this stratagem. Uh, at the end of your movement phase, select one Harlequin infantry unit from your army that is not within one of any enemy models. Remove that unit from the battlefield at the end of your next, move, next movement phase. Uh, set that unit up anywhere on the battlefield more than nine inches away from any enemy models. Uh, so this is like a one CP to jump for an unengaged unit. No, yeah, now this is one, uh, it's over the course of two turns, which is good and bad, because yeah. um, it lets you be very reactive with it and keeps your opponent honest during his movement phase, but it's also a, like a two-turn play, not a one-turn play. So mm, it's that is actually true. Play. I've not found a use for it yet, um, that I, in like a practical use on the table. I've only played a handful of games, but I've never used it yet. But I do think it is a good stratagem for sure. I feel like this was better in ITC missions than it is in this one, like denying kill points. Oh, yeah. you've got one, one troop unit left um, like, in that one unit. It's bearing down the battle. Table, it's like, I need to be on the opposite side of the board to go clear off an objective with like my software yeah. or something. We just pick him up and put him over there where he's safe. Now it's like, the table's so small, I would rather just run to where I want to go to. Well, here's an interesting one. So you've got a stratagem in the, the Harlequin's Codex, which is the, is it the, which is the one that lets you redeploy the three, the three characters? Hero's Path. The hero's pass. So that is for a solitaire, a death jester, um, a shadow seer, a troop master, or is it all four or three of them? It is shadow seer, death jester, troop master. If they're all within six inches, at the start of a movement phase, yours or your opponent's, you pop it. You pick up all three characters right then and there. Then you redeploy them. Normal leap strike rules nine inches away uh, at the end of that movement phase. So what you do is you go in with like your solitaire. You beat the crap out of a unit. You go in with your shadow seer. Uh, you go into your death jester, and they don't do anything in combat. That's too relevant, <laughs> but they to follow the solitaire. Um, you go in there, your solitaire kicks someone's ass, and then you're uh, on your opponent's front lines, you're in his army, and then you spend two command points at the start of his moon phase, you pick up all three models. Then your opponent does all of his moves, not knowing where these dudes are going to show up, and then you redeem strike them anywhere you want. They're very small footprints, so 325 mil bases. They don't have to come near each other either, and then scalpel out another turn of awesomeness with them. So think about this, yeah. Let's say you've got 10 troop. Uh, turn one, you Virtuosos of the Webway. Turn two, you redeploy those three characters and then deep strike the 10 um, 
troop in front of them, e.g. creating a screen for those three characters so they can move up from a different... You can just pretty much just go take over a flank. Yeah. Yeah, that's so definitely... You could, mm-hmm. you could do something of that ilk. But there you go. So, all right, that is the stratagems. What do we think? I mean, they're great. <laughs> they're amazing. Is, is, there, is there is much more to say? Like, yeah. Um, I, I will say these are hefty, and that's something that's pretty that Harlequins are in, in notorious for. You have to pay a premium in CP, but you get premium stuff for the CP. Like you, right. you can you can be spending nothing but two CP stratagems, but all your T three two CP stratagems are going to be doing amazing things for you. Exactly. Um, next, okay, we're on to the relics. So first up, Shadowstone, or the Shadowstone. Uh, Shadowseer model only, add three inches to the range of the bearer's aura abilities and add three inches to the range of psychic powers manifested by the bearer. So they come with two psychic powers base here. They yeah. know and can, and can cast two, e.g. the same as a, a Farseer. Mm-hmm. Um, so adding three inches to that, yeah, that's not insignificant. That's, you know, 15-inch smites, or sorry, um, 21-inch smites. And... Uh, add three inches to the range, so a nine-inch aura of minus one to wound. That's that's nothing to shout about, and that all of a sudden adds a lot more value when you pay the two CP to give it to vehicles and um, non-infantry models. Yeah, this is one. It's especially good for uh, Twilight Pathways because it's only a three-inch range spell, so you're literally doubling it to six. I know six is not um, not spectacular, but it's literally twice as good as three. And when you're trying to, it's a, it's a key spell. You never want it failing. You never want it denied. So if you're trying to stay out of twenty-four inch nine-inch your opponent, and you're trying to string back to them, it might be a handy place to take it. Harlequins are definitely relic starved or relic hungry, I should say. Yes, hungry. Starved. So they have the old relic buying rule where the first one is free, the second one is one, the third one is three command points, and that's it. So you have to be very careful about which ones you choose. I have not yeah. taken this one yet. Uh, I do think it's a very useful relic. I just think you'll find better ones. Mm, that's fair. Now, on to the next one. So this, uh, sorry, we'll do, we'll do. I was about to go into Kegrax Lament. We'll save that for a second. Next one is uh, the Veil of Tears. Once per turn, the first time a saving throw is failed for the bearer, uh, that saving throw is treated as being successful. This isn't limited to anybody, so this is good for solitaires. This is good for, geez, any any character model. Um, any any mileage here? You see, uh, it's not bad. I mean, sometimes you just want to pass a save, and that's a yeah. big deal. Um, at the same time, it's totally in your control, opponent's control, like what that save is. Like, I'm going to hit you with my bolt pistol first. And auto last guns and, and, yeah, yeah. and yeah. So, again, it's not a bad relic. You're just, there's command points are a premium in this army. You can't be spending them on relics like this. No, totally fair. Uh, next one is going to be Kagarak's Lament Death Jester only. Um, Kagarak's Lament replaces the Shrieker Cannon as the following profiles. First one, Kagarak's Whale. Uh, 36-inch range, Assault 1, Strength 6, minus 3, 3 damage. Next one, Kegarax Lament. This is the Shuriken, 36-inch range again, Assault 3, Strength 6, minus 3, 1 damage. Abilities. Before selecting targets, select one of the profiles above to make attacks reach each time a model is slain by an attack uh, made with the whale profile of this weapon. The unit suffers D3 mortal wounds. And uh, until the end of the turn, subtract 2 from the leadership characteristics of models in that unit. So that's the the whale profile is the single shot profile. Um, we did talk about before how you can turn that into three d three mortal wounds by using the pivotal roll for every successful hit counts as three. Um, so you could technically have three strength six minus three three damage shots. So you could kill three Bulgrin and do three d three mortal wounds to the rest, and eg like kill probably five Bulgrin. Um, 
which is just it's insane. Never gonna like that, it's, never, yeah. it's, it's never going to happen like that, theoretically, in like best case scenario. Um, it's, is each time a model is slain, you get the D3. So the best target for this is stuff that um, doesn't have a, a two plus save, of course. I don't know. Custodes like, might not be the best target for this, especially if they've got a Storm Shield. But if you're taking a two plus save to a five plus, and then every time you knock, you've got three damage. This is like the Admac ponies, um, the Cyberx Raiders. There are yes. three more each, um, toughness three. Like, they're a really awkward unit to shoot at, but this lets you do three wounds to them, probably kill three ponies. You're winning on twos, they're not getting saves. They might be getting six up in bulls. Um, mm. They won't get six up in bulls. Yeah. You know, three damage flat, you kill three dogs, and then 3d3 mortals, you probably, oh, that's on average of six, you pick up two more for free. Exactly. And, and let me just look at the last bit of this. Uh, to the end of the turn, subtract two for leadership. Yep. So, like and even when even if you don't use the whale profile, the e.g. the the mortal wound generating profile, you still have the shrieker profile, which is still assault three, strength six minus three. E.g. Sh- if you if you're using that pivotal roll, you're still shredding, absolutely shredding through whatever yeah, really you, you feel like. Ten main guardsmen squad a turn. Not that that's hard, but over the turn, of course, again, it's fifty guardsmen from a fifty point model. I think there's a lot of I think there's a lot of consensus from top players out there that horde MSU might be a thing. I'm I'm I know I'm thinking about taking. Uh, if I if I could take twelve five man sire units in a battalion, I would <laughs> absolutely would. Uh, but you know, brigades with like uh, six ten man guard squads. This guy t- pulling down a guard squad of ten guys a turn. That's absolute value, especially in a Harlequin's army that doesn't have a hell of a lot of long range fire support when you need to get up close. Doing this from thirty six inches, which is now kind of the back of the board. A lot of times, I'll actually give this relic to the one that ignores Overwatch. You're not making great use of the profile at all, but the twelve inch range extra. Helps it a bunch. Oh, that's a that's a big deal, isn't it? Yeah, I actually like that quite a lot. Especially like against Raving Guard, for example, with tons and tons of Centurions. I don't know if we'll still see that, but it exists today. And um, the you don't want to be within 24 inches. Like maybe you're in 24 inches of one unit, you turn off its Overwatch, you go in, you kill it, no problem. But when there's one Centurion, there's probably more. So the rest of them might end up killing your Deathchester for free right there. So you, you need to get multiple turns out of this guy, and that's how you do it. Absolutely right. All right, next one. Uh, Domino Shroud. Once per battle at the end of any phase, if the bearer was uh, not set up on the battlefield as reinforcement that turn, uh, they can use Spectral Apparition. If they do place a marker within 12 of the bearer, then remove them from the battlefield and set them up again one inch from the center of the marker and more than one inch away from enemy models. The bearer is not eligible to charge in a turn in which it was set up in this manner, although the bearer can still use this relic in a turn in which it was charged. This is um, one I think people are sleeping on. Absolutely. Dude, I just read that first line again. Once per battle at the end of any phase. doesn't say your phase, opponent's no, phase, any, any phase. It's cool. so good. You can go in there, um, kill something, and then your opponent takes his movement phase, gets all ready to kill you in appropriate ways, and you're like, I'm just going to teleport 12 inches, get behind a wall, and be safe. At the end of, at the end of their charge phase, you're just like, I'm out. So yeah, yeah they, they charge you, and you're just like, I'm going to leave, reposition myself near your characters, and then it's going into my turn. Mm. Like, and you've just exposed yourself so, for no gain. Yeah, it's so powerful. This stuff. Um, I, I'm I've only taken it one time. I'm going to be taking it this Friday in my Twitch game, uh, which we talked about a little bit. Um, hopefully, I'll get good mileage out of it. I think it's one of the most underrated relics out there. It's so powerful, um, especially what you what you do or what I'm planning on doing is like your troop master wants to go in with like your troops, your sky weavers when they go in, so you get the nice reroll the wound aura. But then you don't want him just immediately dying. You want to get longevity out of a troop master. So 
when your opponent then positions to go kill your troop master in the following turn, I'm like, actually, I'd like to keep him alive. Thank you very much. Well, I'm thinking about it in a different way. I'm thinking about it offensively all of a sudden. So if let's say at the end of your opponent's shooting phase, you place the marker, and then they have to decide if they want to charge into your five-man troop unit. But if they do, you're going to pop up and heroically intervene from safety behind the wall 12 inches away. Oh, that's a great point. Yeah, you can set up nice heroic interventions because Hawkins also have a strap yeah. for heroic you, interventions. You can do very clever stuff with that. I never even thought of that. Yeah, because it says you can't charge. It doesn't say anything about intervening. So, and this is any guys. I can't get over how crazy it is that it says any phase, <laughs> any phase. Oh. It's so deep. The, the codex is just so strong. You know what else you can do? Also, is um, you can reset a screen with this dude. Like in a pinch, if your opponent's going to to deep strike some stuff, and uh, at the end of the phase, um, you could do the end of your opponent's command phase and just put this guy where he wants to deep strike, and then clog up some holes. Well, so there's some there's some interesting stuff going on with um, well, so as a dark engine player, one of the the only real crazy tech things that I can do is deep strike Deathwing Knights, shoot with them in the movement phase, and then because uh, they shoot immediately after they come down, so I should come down and shoot clear a screen, and then I pay some CP and I deep strike Deathwing Knights even closer into your lines, and they get really good charges. So, um, but then you just as soon as I kill that screen and the Deathwing Knights have uh, terminators have shot, you're just like, oh yeah, just going to pop this bloke 12 inches over there, and the screen's reestablished, and you got no gain out of your three cp you just burnt because that thing's way overpriced it yeah that's really good all right next one uh twilight fang we've i think we've already talked this one about before but it's it's good we're going to go again troop master only twilight fang replaces the harlequin's blade or power sword and has the following uh profile uh merely of course strength plus two so it'll take him to is that strength five or strength six that'll take him to strength five Yep, uh minus three ap damage two uh each time the bear fights it makes a number of additional attacks with this weapon equal to the current uh, battle number, sorry, round number. So e.g., he can have a max of plus five. It used to be plus six, you know, but they killed a battle round on us. So, you know, we've got to take what we can take. <laughs> this is one I like. It's a, it's just direct value. Like, here's a, here's a weapon. It does damage. Like, nope. Yeah, here's a, good, here's a good weapon. The guy who takes this is now, you know, nearing kind of betrayal levels of Blender. It's not going to yeah, be a bad he, choice. He's quite a Blender. Um it's not utility, it's not tech, it's just damage, which is not something Harlequins really necessarily... Sometimes they want more damage output, sometimes they don't. Uh, it's not nuanced, like most Harlequin rules are, but sometimes you just want to hit someone with a hammer. Well, and this would be a good case for the guy taking the, the two plus to win people to roll. Because um, then all of a sudden, what, what do they come with? Does it come with four or five attacks base? Uh, it comes with five, and then with uh, Frozen Stars, it'll be six. <laughs> yeah, and so he could, go to, he could go to 11 attacks. He could go to 11 attacks. <laughs> <laughs> it's second second solitaire essentially um is, is your late game solitaire you get your early game solitaire which is the actual solitaire is your late game one anyway the last one is destiny's jest so during deployment select one of the following effects to apply until the end of the battle round so the end of the battle sorry just not the end of the battle round alternatively you can roll 2d6 uh re-rolling duplicates to randomly determine two of the following effects to apply until the end of the battle uh and a one is plus one of the barrier's attack characteristic uh two is plus one of the strength Three is plus one of the toughness, four is plus one of the wounds, five is plus three to Bailey's move, and six is improving the armor penetration characteristic of Bailey's melee weapons uh, by one. Um, I think this is probably the worst one. Yeah, this is just like direct value, kind of like the uh, um, the fling is direct value, but it's like not as good direct value. Yeah. I take this. I mean, so none of those are actually... So they've already got a good amount of attacks. The strength is already mitigated by rerolls to wound mechanics. The toughness um, doesn't matter because going from toughness 3 to toughness 4, who gives us stuff? Um, the wound's like, 
you're getting hit, you're dying. And if you're not getting yeah. hit, you're not there, dying. There are so many. So there are so many relics out there that will give you plus one toughness and plus one save, or plus one toughness and plus one wound. Um, so the plus one wound doesn't feel like you're getting good value out of that. Uh, plus three to move. Like if you could pick two of these. This, yeah, would be a, this would be a great relic. Bad. You could try to get yourself like plus one attack, plus three move. If that was combined, that would be not a bad relic. But yeah. because the way to get that is by rolling randomly, and that's a one in 36, or I guess there's, two one in 15. But there's just too yeah. much value in the relic slot for Harlequins to go with something that's yeah, random. You're not, right. You have you have amazing relics. We're not even covering the generic relics like Chagarat's Rose from the uh, Codex and stuff. Um, but the, you're just never going to take this. Yeah. All right. Dude, that, that rounds out the psychic rating release for harlequins now we've got a we haven't defined our rating system yet but we're going to have a rating system for out of war down under i'm going to let the we're going to have it like you know it's something out of 10 but i'm going to let the the patrons over time define what it is and kind of take a life of its own but out of 10 zero being black templars what black templars got 10 being uh what admec got where would you put this bad boy uh, this release, I would I would say it's a solid nine. I, I would give mm. it a ten, but it's it's not admec. Um, ad- yes. <laughs> now, so that's the that's the first rating. The first rating in context to the meta. Second rating system is how much how value it, how much value and how good it was for Harlequins. So this is how uh, we're going to be rating things, guys. We're going to be it's rating in relation to everything else in the meta, and then we're going to give it a rating in relation to itself. So it's um, in we used to talk about this in codexes. We used to talk about how what the internal and external balance of the codex was. It's relation to every other codex, and it's relation to how well it makes its own army function. So Nick, out of ten for Harlequins, what do you give it? I'm going to give it an eleven. I would um, give it 12 if I could. <laughs> we're breaking my own yeah. system. First time it's, we're using uh, the system, we're breaking. It feels like Harlequins. It's, it's the way Harlequins should play. It's the style. It's it's thematic. And on top of that, it's super powerful. It hit the nail on the head so many times. Everything Harlequins wanted, everything they struggled with, everything that uh, was a good fix for them, they just got. Like I can't stress it enough. This was an amazing amazing supplement. I, I can't stress it enough either i think so everything in this feels thematic everything feels like you're playing a harlequin's army again you don't have to try and make it play like yunari or craft worlds it feels like they just packed a lot of flavor and a lot of powerful flavor into it and yeah i think it's, it was a, ph- a phenomenal phenomenal addition so we're almost an hour in already and we still haven't touched on the points <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'm no. going to limit this. I'm going to limit this. We've got half an hour to talk about points. No more, no okay. less. Okay. Be- because it's actually going to be pretty quick, relatively quick. Oh, yeah, there's, there's not that many points to talk about. So that's right. Uh, They've only got like ten yeah, units. Yeah. Go fairly quickly, and then uh, we'll get into the nitty gritty and the listens part two. Yeah. So um... this episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends you new cartridges, so you never have to think about ink. Save up to 50%. You'll pay less than $5 a month for ink and never run out again. Find out if your printer is eligible and enroll today at hpinstantink.com. Conditions apply. For details, visit hp.com slash Spotify. First off, we're going to go with uh, HQ. So we'll start with the Troop Master. He was 60 points. Now he's 65 points. 8% increase on base cost. And he comes, what are the weapons he comes with base? Is it the Harlequin's Blade? Or the... Yeah, you have to buy him whatever yeah. you want. So, and then you know, a lot of people take him with the Power Sword and then upgrade that Power Sword. So that's five points. So he's coming at 70. And then is it a Shuriken Pistol? Which is yes. zero. So he's 70 points. So he's gone up a, total, a grand total of literally five points. Yeah. I think every character went up 
five points. Six, six points, sorry, because the, the sword went up by one point. So six points. <laughs> awesome. In the, in the context of a lot of other points changes, I feel like that's really reasonable. Yeah, I, I mean, every character went five points up. I think Solitaire only went four. Mm-hmm. Um, it's perfectly fine because everybody just got a points increase for existing, and five points is the most negligible amount you could possibly so, so Solitaire went up. Still gonna take them. It's just going to be... So Solitaire yeah, went up six points, so it was 884, now it's at 90, so it's probably just been routed up. Now, what does it come with base? Is it a kiss and a caress? Kiss and a caress, and each of those went down one, which is why I said went down one. Ah, beautiful. So yeah, so it comes in at ninety points, which is going to be plus with uh, six and six. So he's going to come in at a hundred and two. Very reasonable for the amount of work you can make this boy do, especially when you're upgrading with a bunch of different uh, relics and wallet. No, you can't give him wallet trade, but all he needs is like Kegarax Rose, and he's ready to rick roll his way into the future. Um, the DJ, the Rob Symes. Probably the most improved out of the, the releases, the most improved, I'd say. Um, I mean, Solitaires were always good. Troop Masters were always pretty reasonable. Death Jesses went from quite mediocre to, holy crap, everyone take two, yeah? Yeah, that's just, yeah, literally. I, I used to really reluctantly take a Death Jester just to unlock Hero's Path, and now yeah. it's like, I'll take two, please. Yeah, and he comes with just with a Shuriken Cannon, which is zero points. So he's 50 points, you know? Like, for the same utility as I feel like he's a reverse um, gunslinger Jesse James for... Um, Genius of the Cults. What's what's that guy called? A Kellermorph. I was actually Kellermorph. about to compare it to a Kellermorph. Yeah, yeah he's, he's a reverse Kellermorph. He's the rever- reverse on the range, but he's kind of the same role. I, I've always wanted to do like triple Death Jester and Mog and Ra. I think like that's oh. just a cool concept. All these skeleton shooting warrior characters blasting you off the table with like so much strength mix rending. Like I've always just thought that's a cool idea. I, I'm I, I'm you know excited and fearful at the same time. That sounds terrifying. Um, next one, so Shadow Seer. Now, this this guy is the, the utility toolbox. I believe like every Harlequin army needs to have one of these. Um, yeah, yeah. I, five points. Take them every time. Don't take question it. Just, it's got a yeah. it's a mist, equipped with a mist dave and a hallucinogen grenade launcher. Yeah. Uh, yes. Both of which is zero points. So you're paying 115 for this guy. Fan freaking fantastic, as far as I'm concerned. Yes, sir. Uh, troop, troop, your only troop choice was 11 points. Now it's 14 points. That is a, that is a 27% increase. So that is- I actually think there was a lot of room for Harlequins and like a pseudo MSU tough horde with just tons of models that are very mobile, very fast and 11 points each with the four pinball and minus one to wound. That is really good. I think you could have almost made a spammy army out of that at 14 points each. I don't think you go that route. I think you take other stuff. Um, but uh, you still run troops. They are good, especially with the weapons. Like, I still think they're valuable. I think, well, you can take any weapon you want. You can make them as flexible to, to meet the needs of your meta, pretty much, which I like. Right. Um, considering it's your only troops choice, like, like thankfully, they've been thrown to All their weapons went down. Like, the kiss, the caress, uh, I think embrace went up, but that was the worst one, so whatever. Um, kiss and caress both went down one, and then fusion pistols went down two. So for, like, yeah. five troops in a Star Weaver, which did not go up at all, with five fusion pistols, it's only a five point total increase on that package. So that's, that's totally insane. Fine. Absolutely, yeah. that is crazy good value, especially when we consider the, the in the context of other armies how hard we know some others have been hit and some others have been reasonably hit. These guys, the more I'm looking at this, the more I'm seeing like they're uh, relatively uh, they're uh, relatively uh, untouched. Yeah. The the big changes in the Skyweavers they went up from uh, assuming the Zephyrglade didn't change, the Haywire can didn't change, but their base cost changed. Um, so Zephyr Glaze are down one point from six to five. Um, okay. 
Haywire cannons are still 15 each, and they went up 10 points. So it's a total of nine, essentially nine point yeah, increase. I think when you take a Zephyr Glaive and do the whole package on the Star Weaver or Sky Weaver, it went from 46 to 55. You feel that? Um, like yeah. a, a five man unit is 45 points more, a nine man is fi- or six man is 54 points more. Mm-hmm. That's not insignificant. No, it's not at all. Uh, so that's where Harlequins got hit. But you'll still run a unit of Sky Weavers. I don't I think you'll run multiple anymore. Dude, I- Maybe the days of the the three five mans is gone, and probably yeah. rightly so. But fair yeah, enough, so. I, I'm enjoying my one six man. You can give it a three pinball and a pinch. You can make it really fast when you want to. Uh, it can be a combat threat, especially with frozen stars. Or you can just sit there and fire and fade through a building all day. Like that's a great use for them. Now, have you ever seen somebody run a void weaver, which is the gunboat version of the transport? Have you ever seen that run on a table? Uh, I think once at a team tournament on table eight hundred. I know one. I know one guy who runs them, and the same guy, and he just runs it because he likes it. But I've never yeah. seen it ever do anything worth mentioning. It's never done any. Yeah, it, it's still. It actually went up in cost. It went up ten I points. Think, yeah. Yeah. Just just toss in the trash can. Forget of, of, of all the things that could have stayed the same. <laughs> I'm, I'm not complaining. Harlequins did great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, is that because the so they got a prismatic cannon on there, which has a couple of different profiles? I'm assuming that's probably got blast, and that's why they got hit. I have no clue, to be honest. Fair enough. I think <laughs> you know, the Hollywood expert just hasn't even looked at it. He's like, ah, <laughs> you never I saw need to know. 10 points and I shut that book. <laughs> shut that um, Webway Gate is up five points. Some people care about that. Some people don't care about that. Yeah. I don't particularly care about that. Although so yeah. I, have, I do know some people who have I made it work. Negligible either way. And it was a niche unit that rarely ever saw a table. It has some applications, but I, I don't care. Man, we smashed That's at half an hour. That's taken us, what, 10 minutes? And we're pretty uh, much six units in this codex. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll have to. I'll it's have crazy. To... We can spend so long talking about six units, though. Mm. Um, Star Weavers. So Star Weavers, I think, may become a mainstay unit. They were. You would, maybe you saw one or two. Um, now yeah. you might see them five or six of the ilk yeah. of, of Venoms. You know, um, it's very interesting Star Weavers. Um, I'm not sure if Star Weaver spam is the way to go with Harlequins. It is definitely a way to go. Um, they're a great tank. They're durable for their cost. Mm-hmm. Uh, shockingly durable for their cost. So they're 60 uh, points? They're, they're 80 with the two shurikens, yeah. Yeah, I was about to say. Shuriken cannons, uh, 10 points each, two shurikens, 80 points. 80 points, still t- toughness, five, six wounds, four plus involved. Yeah, and minus one to hit for shooting. Yeah, and you make a minus one to wound when needs be. Like, there's a lot of defensive goodness about that. Yeah, they're, they're a good unit. Um, I, I've always been impressed with their durability. Uh, I, I'm currently running one in my list for Friday. Um, just because I don't have like six of them built and painted in time. But um, I'm putting one unit of fusion people in there, which is only five points more as a total package than it used to be. And what I'm going to use it as is like a scalpel, just like, again, waiting for my component to like overextend his screens or yeah. maybe leave a gap next to a character or something like that and go in there and just blast someone in the face. <laughs> Love it. So... All right, I've got this. I've got this on my run sheet. I've got this next tab. It says good or bad options, and I feel like there's only one bad option. And that's the the void weaver. Is there any other bad options? Uh, I think sky weaver spam is not a great way to build harlequins. Hmm. But a, but a, like a single a single harlequin. A single unit is great. I just want to kind of acknowledge that as like a potential trap people fall into. Yeah. I suppose there could be there could be traps in over investing in troops. I mean, so I I know that you can equip and put enough CP into a ten man troop to literally make it kill pretty much anything in the game. As far as I'm yeah. concerned, you can layer enough buffs. So uh, ETC last year, WTC, um, the gentleman uh, Liam Hackett, who you played against Nick, um, the Mega yeah. Knob man, Mega Knob guy, 
he played against the 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 Russian Harlequin player, and we were both like, uh, surely the Harlequin troop just go into the Meganobs and bounce, right? And as long as Liam plays right, he has to go into the Meganobs. And then one unit of Harlequin troop went through 18 Meganobs in one turn, and we were like, looking at each other like, we didn't know they could do that. Did you know they could do that? Why did we know they could do that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I'm on the more conservative end of the Harlequin troop, so I'm running like a 10-man with six kisses or something like that, a couple bullet catchers, and then... Uh enough to get the job done but you could run a 12 man you could give it 12 weapons you can give them plus yeah. one damage plus one to wound reroll wounds and just go nuts into something it will take all your command points and it's like a 300 point unit but you can do it you can do it you can make a pseudo death star that'll blend you know it's it's the neutral bullet it'll it'll blend like no no other thing will blend but anyway we're going to round out this first episode this first half of the first episode thank you so much nick for coming on hopefully that's been an enjoyable first taste of what we got in store for you guys hopefully that was some engaging and interesting deep dives into this release for harlequins we're going to be doing this for a multitude of factions We've got richard siegel lined up to be on next that we're going to be talking about admech that is if the mission pack doesn't get released we might do a mission pack episode depending on how juicy that stuff is if it doesn't change the status quo too much we'll put on the back burner but yeah um so many exciting exciting episodes to come i'm so pumped for this thank you so much nick for being on hopefully you've enjoyed this as well mate yeah thanks for having me anytime all right stay stay tuned for part two part two me and nick are going to be taking all the stuff we've talked about all the stuff we've learned and we're going to be constructing lists we're going to be going through um the things you want to take things you want to avoid the the good tech choices the bad tech choices the good matchups the bad matchups all the depth and the actual tactical nuance of making a harlequin's army work in uh the meta going forward so yeah tune in and jump in for part two we've also got a list for review sent in by a um a pretty well-known gentleman in this in australia simon gorkovic who was actually the ETC captain for 2018, Nick, when uh, you guys beat us to get into that, you know? We, we, we were a lily pad for your frog to jump to higher waters and greener pastures. Yeah, but yeah, stay tuned for part two, guys. Please sign up for the Patreon. Um, go to Patreon, search Art of War Down Under. You will find us. Um, like and subscribe, you know, do all that good stuff. I was about to say like and subscribe, but we don't have a YouTube channel. Um, find us on Twitch when we start streaming again. Find us on Facebook. Engage. Get involved. It's freaking fantastic starting all this new stuff with a new edition. So, yeah, thanks so much, and I hope you'll join us on uh, round two. Say goodbye, Nick. Bye, Nick. Good stuff. Just before I leave everybody today, once again, thank you so much for listening to the Art of War Down Under podcast, part one. Um, I'm here to tell you about an incredible, incredible competition that's happening right now, and in lieu of ninth edition and in celebration of ninth edition um a bunch of uh content creators and organizations have collaborated to bring to you an incredible uh thing to kick off this edition so <clears throat> the keynote prize here for this competition you go to um 40kprizes.com and enter the running to win uh, first off a 1500 shopping spree from frontline gaming for any gw products so geez you, you can get most of what you need for a whole collection there um an army paint omega paint set three months coaching of the art of war a right rightful ruler app license and another three months access to the war room as a separate prize now to enter you just go to 40kstats.com and chuck in your first entry but in order to get a bunch of extra 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 um, entries into that competition enter the code word down. So that is just for people listening to this. <clears throat> Go to 40kprizes.com, enter the art of enter that um listen to the art of war. Code word down, and you'll get an extra five entries into that competition. And and keep listening because we're gonna have more code words and more episodes down the track. So yeah, get involved and hopefully you can win some incredible stuff. Thanks again for supporting this uh, new venture by me, this new podcast. Thanks again for supporting Art of War in general and supporting the community. And um, I hope you've enjoyed the content. Take care and I'll talk to you soon. Bye. 
Thank you for listening to Art of War Down Under, a content review podcast for Warhammer 40K, hosted by Adam Camilleri, produced by Seamus Ronan. Enjoyed the show? Want your lists reviewed and the content you heard put into practice? Sign up to our Patreon and connect with us online or on Facebook. Just search for Art of War Down Under, signing out from tomorrow.